Raleigh. It is 7 p.m. and welcome to this week's Eye in the Triangle. I'm Jake Langlois. And I'm DeAndre Jones and we thank you for tuning in. Well, that's it. Summer is nearly over. The Wolf Pack has moved back in and NC State is alive again. Classes start again in a couple of days and as summer 2012 winds down, let's just take a moment and enjoy these last few days of freedom. This week we bring you stories from all around campus, from the bell tower to the brickyard. Jake spoke with the dean of what is perhaps the newest university organization on campus. In addition, DeAndre has some thoughts and advice as school begins again. A homicidal homicidal vehicle goes on a wild rampage, and we learn which holidays we should be celebrating again. But first, DeAndre, what's going on in the weather today? Uh, Well, first of all, tonight... A slight chance of showers and thunderstorms before 3 a.m., partly cloudy with a low around 72. The chance of precipitation is around 20%, so if you're going out tonight for a bit of a, for a bit of fun before classes start, remember that you might need an umbrella. Wednesday, we got a chance of showers and thunderstorms afternoon, partly sunny, with a high near 89. Chance of precipitation stands around 50%, so same story. It's a pretty typical summer day, and expect a 20% chance of, partic- of precipitation Wednesday night as well. Thursday, a normal day, sunny with a high near 90. Thursday night, partly cloudy with a low around 68. Getting a little bit chilly. That's what I like to see. Friday, a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms after 10 a.m. Mostly sunny with a high near 91. Chance Chance of precipitation is around 20%. Friday night, we got a chance of showers and thunderstorms mostly cloudy with a low around 71. Saturday, a chance of showers and thunderstorms again. Partly sunny with a high near 87. A uh, 40%, 40% chance of rain that day. And that night, a chance of showers and thunderstorms, with mostly cloudy and a low around 69. Sunday, same thing, chance around chance of showers and thunderstorms, mostly cloudy with a high near 68. Chance of precipitation is near 30%, and that night, a chance of showers and thunderstorms, mostly cloudy with a low around 67. Unfortunately, Jake, it's looking like we're going to lose a lot of sunlight this week. Yeah, it looks like there's a lot of chances for uh, precipitation the next couple days, huh? Yeah, definitely. And now we turn to Andrew for the latest in the news. Andrew? Thanks, DeAndre. Republican presidential candidate Mitt Romney announced his running mate, U.S. Representative Paul Ryan, Saturday morning at a campaign stop in Virginia. Congressman Ryan has served Wisconsin's 1st District since 1999. Romney and Ryan visited North Carolina the next day. The London Olympics excuse me, the London Olympics ended Sunday. The United States led the final medal count with 46 gold, 29 silver, and 29 bronze for a total of 104, followed by China with 38 gold, 27 silver, and 23 bronze for a total of 88, in Great Britain, with 29 gold, 17 silver, and 19 bronze for a total of 65. And the NASA rover Curiosity landed on Mars last week after spending eight months traveling through space. The rover is the fourth unmanned unit to send, sent to Mars since 1996, and is the size of a car and is tasked with discovering whether Mars could have ever supported life. It sent back its first pictures so- shortly after landing and is expected to begin moving next week. And that's the news. Thanks to Andrew for that report. Perhaps the most visible symbol of NC State, the bell tower can be heard throughout the campus. As we welcome back old and new students alike, DeAndre delves a little bit into the history of this symbolic tower. The average student knows that the bell tower here at NC State is a very defining symbol of the university, that it is really tall, and that it lights out red every now and then. As iconic as our beloved bell tower is, there's a lot of history that many may not know about it. I definitely think that the knowledge is an interesting and integral part of our university's history. The idea of the bell tower is credited to an alum by the name of Vance Sykes from the class of 1907. He wrote a letter to E.B. Owen, who is the serving alumni secretary. He proposed a movement to build a monument to the NC State alumni that were killed in World War I. 
After much consideration, architect William Henry Deakey was appointed to design the bell tower in 1920. For those who are architectural majors, you may have noticed the Roman and Gothic traits that the tower displays, which is very reminiscent of the towers at West Point. For basic facts, the tower is 115 feet tall and has 1,400 tons of stone, and ended up costing more than $150,000. With production starting on the tower, things were on their way up until the Great Depression. The huge economic downturn definitely delayed construction, as the tower itself was not completed until 1937. Then, the class of 1938 provided the clock for the tower. Also, did I mention that the bell tower's official name isn't actually the bell tower? It's called the Memorial Tower. Well, anyways, the finishing parts of the Memorial Tower were delayed during World War II. However, money was pulled from many different sources so that the shrine room, memorial plaque, and chimes could be finished. Our precious monument was finally dedicated on November 11, 1949. In 1986, a new caroline was added to honor a former chancellor of the state, Dr. Carrie Boston and his wife. You may recognize this name from Boston Hall on campus. 33 alumni died in the war. However, the plaque admirably displays 34. The story behind this is actually really interesting. One of the names, which then read G.L. Jeffers, was incorrect as the man was wrongly reported killed in action during the war. Once the mistake was noted, the university decided to alter Jeffers' name to G.E. Jefferson. That name is a symbol and dedication to unknown soldiers everywhere. Now, for a bit of current information. 91 years after construction started, the first bells for North Carolina State University's bell tower arrived on campus. Thanks to the efforts of the class of 2010 and alums Matthew Robbins and then-President Jaw Dawkins, the two students started a student group called Finish the Tower. Many of you probably own t-shirts from the organization, as I know I do. Bells are being bought with current donations from private donors. The bell tower is lit for holidays that honor veterans, as well as spring and winter commencement ceremonies, welcome week convocation, which was yesterday for those who went, Founders Day, induction of a member of the NC State faculty into the National Academy of Sciences or National Academy of Engineering, and any other award that has to deal with faculty members, the inauguration of the President of University of North Carolina, or installation of the Chancellor of NC State, football victories at home or away, men's Atlantic Coast Conference basketball victories, home or away, and women's basketball victories home or away as well. It is also lit on nights which an ACC or national championship is won in any team sport. And that is our beloved bell tower. The history behind it is indeed rich and fulfilling, and I encourage those that are listening today to spread the history and make sure that students, especially freshman students coming in, know the history of our university's great monument. For Eye on the Triangle, this has been DeAndre Jones. Bell Power, the Bell Tower, probably one of the most interesting things on campus. Probably the newest university organization on campus, the Division of Academic and Student Affairs, is set to play a large and increasingly visible role in the lives of the Wolfpack. Jake has more. Last week, I spoke with the Vice Chancellor and Dean of the brand new organization on campus, the Division of Academic and Student Affairs. Dr. Mike Mullen assumed the dean's chair on August 1st. 
Prior to being head of the department here at NC State, Dr. Mullen was a dean for undergraduate studies at the University of Kentucky. And although Dr. Mullen is originally from Fort Wayne, Indiana, he has a history here at NC State, graduating with a PhD in soil science in 1987. And so, 25 years later, Dr. Mullen has returned to the Wolfpack campus to head the brand new division of academic and student affairs. I asked him a little bit about what this new organization is and what it plans to do differently for this upcoming school year. Essentially, the new Division of Student and Academic Affairs is a marriage between the Division of Student Affairs and the Undergraduate Academic Programs Organization. This means that this new division is essentially a new umbrella organization that provides students with one place to go for any academic or student life concerns they may have. I asked him if this was a radical restructuring of the organization. And for anyone worried that everything is completely changed, you can rest easy. In the short term, most of the changes seem to be cosmetic, simply changing the upper management of the organization, but for the most part, leaving the day-to-day structuring of the organizations intact. We spoke with some of the different subdivisions of this organization, including the academic programs and services, arts NC state, campus life, and student development, health, and wellness. The Division of Academic and Student Affairs has been working closely with other organizations on campus, including the Union Activities Board and the student government. The organization is very much in its infancy, having only been officially established on July 1st. However, the planning for this organization goes back a long way, as far as October of last year. And as far as student organizations are concerned, this is a large restructuring of several major organizations that are dedicated to student life. But Dr. Mullen believes that this will better allow the university to respond to the needs of students, and as classes begin this week, the organization will be put to its first major test. For On the Triangle, I'm Jake Langlois, 88.1 WKNC. Chick-fil-A has been in the news a lot recently, especially here in North Carolina. Whatever your feelings on the controversial chicken chain are, it's hard to deny its rather large presence here on campus. Andrew explores the controversy from a Wolfpacker's point of view. Last month, Chick-fil-A president Dan Cathy made a series of comments in defense of his company's opposition to gay marriage, a stance that has been increasingly apparent over the past few years. Chick-fil-A has since its beginning prided itself as being a Christian chain, most obviously at its closing of all restaurants on Sundays. While this may have been seen as inconvenient by some, it certainly wasn't offensive, and Chick-fil-A's operators have always been welcome to run their business in accordance with their faith. That is, until recently. It was first reported in January 2011 that Chick-fil-A was co-sponsoring a conference with the Pennsylvania Marriage Institute, an organization which had opposed the striking down of California Proposition 8 along with lobbying against efforts of Pennsylvania legislators to ban discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. At the time, Chick-fil-A claimed the sponsorship was only by local franchises and not the organization as a whole. But since 2003, the Windshape Foundation, Chick-fil-A's charitable wing, has given an estimated $5 million to organizations that oppose gay marriage, including Exodus International, a group which promotes ex-gay conversion therapy. On June 16th, President and COO Dan Cathy said on The Ken Coleman Show, a talk radio program, the following, I think we are inviting God's judgment on our nation when we shake our fist at him and say, We know better than you as to what constitutes a marriage. I pray God's mercy on our generation that has such a prideful, arrogant attitude to think that we have the audacity to define what marriage is about. On July 2nd, Kathy said this to the Biblical Recorder, the weekly newspaper of the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina. We are very much supportive of the family, the biblical definition of the family unit. We are a family-owned business, a family-led business, and we are married to our first wives. 
We give God thanks for that. We want to do anything we possibly can to strengthen our families. We are very much committed to that. We intend to stay the course. We know that it might not be popular with everyone, but thank the Lord we live in a country where we can share our values and operate on biblical principles. Since then, protests and counter-protests of Chick-fil-A and its stances have sprung up around the country. The mayors of Boston, Chicago, and San Francisco have all threatened to ban Chick-fil-A from their cities. But since there is only one Chick-fil-A in Chicago and none in Boston or San Francisco, it's not clear how serious these statements are. But the threats that are surely not empty are the ones coming from students. Across the country, students at universities have called for the closing of Chick-fil-A's on their school's campuses, including at our own NC State. But NC State's association with the restaurant is complicated. The university has so far said this in an issued statement. Chick-fil-A was initially selected to be an option on the campus largely due to student interest and feedback. NC State welcomes all persons without regard to sexual orientation. But it's more problematic than that. NC State's first football game this season will be the Chick-fil-A kickoff game in Atlanta on August 31st. It would be hypocritical for the university to accept this publicity from the restaurant and then sever its ties with it on campus. But what do you think? Is Chick-fil-A as a private organization entitled to their open opposition to gay marriage? Are the boycotts effective or even necessary, given that Chick-fil-A does not discriminate against its customers? Is NC State implicated in allowing Chick-fil-A to operate on campus? Is its presence here an insult to our gay and lesbian students? Let us know what you think. Comment on Twitter at WKNC underscore EOT or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash WKNC dot EOT. Also, look for us in the Brickyard this next week as we ask about your views on the controversy. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Andrew Eichen. So uh, I'm here in the studio with DeAndre and Andrew. What do you guys think about that? Well, I guess I'll start off. Um, when I first heard about this this issue, I thought that the protests initially were pretty silly just because um, I didn't know anything besides the fact that um, a member of the Chick-fil-A higher-up said that they weren't in support of gay marriage, and I thought it was a little bit hypocritical that people were protesting because of the fact that they were just exercising their free speech like people who support gay marriage exercise their free speech as well. Um, but then I, I read a couple articles and I saw that they've they've been donating quite a bit of money to organizations that um, that uh, have questionable desires, I suppose, I guess I suppose you could say. I mean, Chick-fil-A has always been a bit of a, a different company in the way they operate. I can't think of any other fast food restaurants that, for example, aren't open on Sunday. So, I mean, they are a privately held company. So on the one hand, yeah, I mean, they're, they're well within their rights to donate whoever they want to whoever they want. But uh, yeah, one of the questions I asked in the end was, uh, is a protest like this necessary, a boycott? Because um, Chick-fil-A actually isn't uh, discriminating against any of its customers. When you look at, like, you know, one of the most famous boycotts ever, the Montgomery boys, uh, bus boycott, it was because black people were being discriminated by the bus company. But uh, Chick-fil-A isn't actually doing that. What they're doing is they're taking the money that they're earning and they're giving it to perfectly legitimate charitable organization that they have. And then that company is giving money to uh, organizations that have been linked to opposition of gay marriage. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's still a legitimate protest that if you wanted to argue that, that you would uh, do it by boycotting Chick-fil-A because 
Uh, nobody's asking for the government to step in here. It's it's uh, it's a personal upright. It's people doing it, and I think that's the way things happen in America. You know, if you look at it from a classically liberal point of view, where if you have a problem with a good or a service, you you stop you stop uh, asking for it. You stop supporting them. Exactly. And what I think was a really interesting term that you used was uh, the fact that they do earn their own money. Um, you know, just like any other American company or any other American worker, uh, we work to earn our money. And they've, you know, they've built their organization. They've built a very successful food chain. And regardless of their opinion or what they do with their own money, um, I think that they are entitled to that. Now, I do agree with Andrew when he says that people are people are definitely entitled to protest and to boycott. Um, but what I think that it comes down to is really just a personal preference as to if you choose not to eat there or not or if you choose to give them to give them your hard-earned money because uh, just like it's a choice for everyone to give them their hard-earned money to buy their chicken or their products there it's their choice to give their hard-earned money to um to whatever organizations that they feel like they, sh- they should i mean i think it's just bad business in the long run because as the tide of public opinion changes eventually this way of looking at it is going to be outdated and then where are they going to be so I think if they were, I think the smart thing to do is just from a purely financial standpoint, people are starting, people are, the tide is starting to turn. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. Yeah, and, um, but I think the main problem we face here at the university is given the college's support, obvious support of the gay and lesbian community, especially with student government uh, speaking out against Proposition 1 last uh, semester. Mm-hmm. Would it be hypocritical if we allowed Chick-fil-A to stay on campus, especially with the very first game that we're playing in football is at the Chick-fil-A Bowl, you know, entirely sponsored by them? So are we projecting a hypocritical image of the university where we claim to uh, support these things, but then in our business dealings, we don't always do that? I mean, yeah, that's a different issue entirely. It's one thing if you boycott the Chick-fil-A that is on the street corner on its own land, but... The Chick-fil-A here on campus is right next to D.H. Hill, and it's it's paid, you know, the building, the electricity, it's paid for by us, the students, exactly. and, and the government. But what I think is really important to, to maintain is that we do have to realize that the Chick-fil-A on campus does help a great many students as well. You know, um, it's, uh, it's, you know, fairly, it's fairly cheaply priced, and it fits in our meal plan, um, and it serves uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner to students. Yeah, but campus. is that... I mean, isn't that something that could be filled by another restaurant? I mean, most, just, oh yeah. yeah, most, most definitely. But um, I think that the fairest way to do this is, I mean, if this really is an issue that students think that is worth tackling, then I think the fairest thing to do is just to take a vote. You know, uh, the democratic style. I, I remember. Um, I'm not. I'm not too sure how accurate this was, but I remember a student orientation being told that the Chick Fil A in the atrium is one of the highest grossing or highest served restaurant locations for Chick-fil-A. So I suppose if there is a Chick-fil-A that you want to boycott, this would be the one to do it. Yeah, I've heard. That's up to the student body. Yeah, I've heard that that from passing tour guides and whatnot that this one is the highest selling Chick-fil-A on the eastern coast of the U.S. I mean, that makes sense. You've got a whole captive market. I mean, where else are they going to go? Yeah. Um, although I will say this, the people who I really feel for are the employees of Chick-fil-A, because whether you support them or you don't support them, you probably have, especially in the past couple of weeks, have people in your face either 
you know, in support of what you do or hating you for what you do. And you're just the guy behind the register and just like, okay, that's not how I feel. Exactly. Like, you know, it's not like every single member of, of the Chick-fil-A staff came out and said, oh, you know, we don't support gay marriage. Well, um, like I said, we'll be in the brickyard over the next week uh, taking interviews. Look for the WKNC guy with the mic if you have anything <laughs> to say. Also, talk to us on Twitter or Facebook if you have anything to contribute. Most definitely. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, but stick around because we've got more on the way. Welcome back to Eye on the Triangle. School is literally only days away, and as the year starts winding up, it can be easy to get caught up in all the little details. Here's DeAndre reminding us sometimes we just need to slow down. Ladies and gentlemen of the Triangle and beyond, take a deep breath in and out. Next, please ponder this question. Why are people in a constant hurry? As I walk down the sidewalks of NC State, I am constantly being scoffed at and passed angrily by another walker that wasn't satisfied with my walking speed. And by walker... I mean, stranger and friends of mine alike. A constant rush seems to be the diagnosis of many college students and adults. The medicine? A simple bit of relaxation and leisure. Now, I'm not asking you to lay out on the grass every day for an hour and stare into the sky, although this probably wouldn't hurt. It means that one should take their time. Leave earlier from your home or dorm room and enjoy the sights around you as you walk your daily route. Feeling adventurous? Consider taking the scenic route on your daily drive to work, going at a speed less than 45 miles per hour. It makes a world of difference. These opinions aren't just to help you relax. Putting these tips into action will also help your health. The American Institute of Stress has said that the amount of time urgency a person has is directly correlated to the amount of stress a person is under. By allotting yourself less time to do things during the day, the body is constantly kept at high anxiety and stress levels. And by raising your stress levels, you are also raising your risk for heart disease, anxiety attacks, and even sudden death. Pushing yourself to always meet the deadline, to constantly be on time, even when being on time is not necessary, places tremendous stress on your mind and body. Letting go is the key to your success. If you cannot meet the deadline, let go and do your best. In short, slow down. Stop the routine of rushing to wherever it is you need to go. Rushing through the event itself then rushing back home. Time urgency is one of the few problems that is 100% self-inflicted. This also means that it is 100% self-curable. With my viewpoint, this has been DeAndre Jones. You know, I know it's really easy to to just, you know, not, sort of not listen to that sort of thing, but really do take a second and sort of enjoy your day. Um, enjoy where you are uh, and do something that relaxes you because I um, I really did look that up and it's really, really bad for you to be stressed out all the time even though I know it's hard for a college student not to be. But anyways, the 70s were known for a lot of things, not all of them great. Platform shoes, leisure suits, funk, and some really, really bad horror movies. Jake presents The Car. Evil has visited the earth in many forms. Now it returns as the car. This week's bad movie you must see, we go way back. Back to the 1970s. The Car is a 1977 thriller movie directed by Elliot Silverstein and stars James Brolin, who most will recognize as being the father to actor Josh Brolin. 
It takes place in a sleepy Utah town that suddenly finds its citizens being run over by a mysterious black Cadillac. It is up to Captain Wade Parent, played by Brolin, to figure out what is going on and how to put a stop to whatever is terrorizing the town. The car itself is a big black two-door sedan with no real markings. But one of the first things I noticed was the mustard yellow windshield and the black, almost plastic-looking body. Seriously, it's one of the ugliest cars I've ever seen, even for the 1970s. And this car, driven by a seemingly invisible force, is hell-bent on running over every person it comes across for reasons that are never really established. The movie has all the markings of a cheesy 1970s thriller. The acting is subpar, the writing is corny, and the fashion is horribly outdated. But maybe that's what makes it so much fun to watch. The movie is so bad, it's good. My one complaint, however, is that there was way too much emphasis on the main characters, which seems counterintuitive. The car itself is only seen for about a third of the movie, and it only runs over about four or five people. There's just too much dialogue for me to really follow. Watching the characters putting the pieces together was pretty boring. I found myself skipping past the dialogue to find the action scenes. And even when I went back to watch the scenes I had skipped, I still didn't know what was going on. From what I could gather, some kind of Native American curse had descended on the town in the form of a car. But even by the end of the movie, it's never really established what exactly is driving the demonic vehicle. But not that I really care. Watching a dim-witted sheriff's deputy chase the car up a mountain and then be thrown off in a spectacular explosion only a bad 1970s action movie can deliver is enough for me. And that's exactly why we love these kinds of movies. You won't find stellar acting, compelling writing, or even particularly well-executed action scenes. But what you will find is a bad movie that is oh so much fun to watch. Check it out. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Jake Langlois, 88.1 WKNC. What evil force drives the car? So now, DeAndre, <laughs> I understand that there are some holidays we should be celebrating this week. What can you tell us about that? <laughs> yeah, uh, most definitely. Um, so starting with yesterday, yesterday was Monday. Uh, yesterday was National Left-Handers Day. So I don't. are any of you guys left-handed? No. Those people don't get enough attention anyway. Yeah, uh, that's me, by the way. I'm left-handed. Oh, congratulations. So um, I didn't know this, so I'm really, really sad that I didn't get a chance to... You didn't know you were left-handed? I didn't know that yesterday was National Left-Handed Day. Okay. How, how do you celebrate something like that? Um, I think you just, like, you do a lot of left-handed things, like you go and you... We're not going to well, like, go into that here. This oh. is a family <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay, Jake, well... <laughs> okay, <I'm> sorry. um... <laughs> today. Next day. Today is National Creamsicle Day. Okay. So, I've, I've personally never had a creamsicle. I think, I think I've had one before there. Yeah. Uh, are they any good? I, I don't, I, I think I've had a couple, but it stood out. I don't, I've never thought, hey, this thing deserves its own holiday. Let me just put it that way. You know what it does? <laughs> uh, those red, white, and blue popsicles. Most definitely. What are those called? Uh, I think they're called hero popsicles. Yeah, something like that. Something those like are great. That. Those are classic. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Today is uh, VJ Day. Uh, so VJ stands for Victory in Japan or Victory over Japan. There's actually a little bit of a little bit of a <laughs> a little bit of a confusion about this one because it's actually confused between today and tomorrow. Um, give a little background on this. August 14th, 1945, was the day that the Japanese government cabled to the U.S. their surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the date that most people observe it. However, tomorrow or a couple a couple decades from tomorrow. Uh, news of the surrender was actually announced to the world. Um, 
Wait, yeah. so when was it announced? It was announced. Uh, we knew about it today, or not? You know, a couple years ago today. Uh, but the 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 surrender was sent all over the world tomorrow. So it can be like. So so on on August fourteenth, nineteen forty five, forty five, the Japanese surrendered, and the next day, the United States and the rest of the world knew about it. No, no, no. You know, no. they surrendered to the United States on the fourteenth, and the United States announced it on the fifteenth. Oh, yeah. okay. So, but it, so yeah. since they were surrendering to us, I think the fourteenth is the day that counts. Yeah, fourteenth uh, is the most the day that most people do do celebrate it. Okay, and was that, so the fifteenth was the day when they, you see all the pictures of Times Square and they're kissing and dancing. Um, was that the official end of World War Two? It's uh, really, that's why see that's the that's the exact problem. It's really confusing to figure out when okay. the official end was. Um, some people argue that the official end was when Japan said that they were done, and some people argue that it was when it was announced all over the world. So, well, we're certainly not going to figure it out tonight. Most, <laughs> most definitely not. Uh, so tomorrow is relaxation day. I can go for that, and that definitely relates to my viewpoint that uh, that we played a little bit earlier about slowing down and relaxing. So yeah, really uh, do that. Well, I mean, tomorrow is the last day before classes start, so <laughs> most definitely. Last and chance. I know that I'm not too excited for that, but. Whatever. Back to the grind, DeAndre. <laughs> Back to the grind. I mean, I'm working pretty hard here, but whatever. We're not going to get into that. Uh, <laughs> Thursday, National Tell-A-Joke Day. Okay, I can get behind that. Everyone needs to laugh. Yeah, definitely. Um, Do you guys have any jokes? Uh, not right now. <laughs> none, none that I can tell on air. But um, <laughs> The next day, Friday, is National Thrift Shop Day. Okay. That's pertinent to us college students. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, my grandma likes to go to thrift shops a lot. Oh. And so I guess it's pertinent to college students if your grandma takes you to thrift shops. Well, I, yeah. I guess no judgments if, you, if your grandma does. Right. <laughs> Saturday. Especially not on Friday. Yeah, especially especially not on Friday. Saturday is Bad Poetry Day. Ew. So I, know, I definitely know a lot of people that I can contact that uh, post their poetry on facebook that i can we should uh <laughs> we should get some uh we used to poetry corner we should get some bad poets on for uh that, bad oh man day. we should have a special edition show <laughs> just, <laughs> an hour bad poetry um last but not least sunday is aviation day uh-huh. so you know that definitely has some close roots to home uh the wright brothers well, it depends being, on who you ask de- you know that's a really big controversy too as to whether the wright brothers should be, should be credited yeah but we're right yeah, Ohio's oh, wrong. Oh, most they, they definitely. Don't, they don't Ohio. Why is that? Is that because we live in North Carolina? If no, you were from Ohio, it's would because, it be? It's because we're right. I mean, it happened. <laughs> it happened here in North Carolina. Okay, but you don't think that just because they're from Ohio, Ohio doesn't deserve any of the credit? Why would Ohio deserve credit? That's like, like I don't see why they deserve credit from from being the place where they're from when. You know, they didn't even have the proper weather conditions to do what they to do what the right yeah, needed to Ohio do. Yeah, Ohio didn't have any sandy beaches or anything. So exactly. Have you have you guys combed the beaches of Ohio? Um, I don't think anyone's combed the beaches of Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Here. What, what, what do we got on Monday, DeAndre? <laughs> on Monday we have National Radio Day. Oh my oh. goodness! Yes. How pertinent. Okay, National Radio Day. So I don't think we have to talk about why that's really cool yeah i will be celebrating national radio day <laughs> next monday and, and if we're gonna go to a full week a week from today is senior citizens day oh that's something i think we can all celebrate get behind you know yeah so i definitely think that you should you guys should take your your grandparents to the thrift shop because they usually take you so you should take them and get them a <laughs> get them a nice little gift from the thrift shop well i will definitely keep that in mind thank you deandre yep
Uh, so now that school is almost back in session, uh, let's see what events are happening around campus. The week of August 14th, here's what's happening on the Wolfpack campus. On Wednesday, August 15th, from 4 to 6 p.m., there will be a Craft Center open house located at the Craft Center on Central Campus. Also beginning at 4 p.m. and lasting until 9 p.m., there will be the University Theater open house and audition orientation. Thursday, August 16th, auditions for the musical Dirty Rotten Scoundrels will be held in Stewart Theater in the Tally Student Center. On Friday, August 17th, the service NC State Blood Drive will be held. Come out and give blood as the Wolfpack tries to break a new record by donating 1,250 pints of blood in honor of NC State's 125th anniversary. The blood drive will be located in Carmichael Gymnasium. This is an all-day event, so be sure to do your part. In addition, at 4 p.m., auditions for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels will be held in Stewart Theater in the Tally Student Center. Saturday, August 18th is Packapalooza. Packapalooza is an all-day block party and street festival capping off Wolfpack Welcome Week. The headlining band will be Carolina Liar and will also include Leela James, Liquid Pleasure, and Mama's Love. This celebration is sponsored by the NC State 125th Anniversary Celebration, Hillsborough Street Community Service Cooperation, and the Union Activities Board. For more information on these and other events happening on or around the NC State campus, visit ncsu.edu slash calendar. just about wraps up what we got for you guys this week if you heard anything you liked you hated or anything that made you think let us know on our facebook page you can also follow us on twitter at wknc underscore eot also be sure to check out our blog at wknc.org and um, now that school is back in session i just want to let everyone know that if you are a student here at nc state and you're interested in getting into the radio we do have uh, some interest meetings here in the witherspoon student center um, that's Monday and Tuesday at 7 p.m. here in Witherspoon on the second floor. So just be on the lookout for that. Yeah, most definitely come out. Uh, you get to see Jake and I in person instead of hearing, just hearing our, our beautiful voices. So, um, Also, we're going to be in the Brickyard, just you know what, uh, like what Andrew said in his story, taking some opinions on the Chick-fil-A thing and maybe just opinions on your sc- uh, school starting in general. So look out for us. Look out for the guy with the WKNC mic. We would love to have your opinions, your thoughts on the radio. And so, yeah, guys, because this is your show. So if anything you guys want to say, uh, just leave us a note, contact us, you know, Twitter, Facebook, our blog, whatever. And uh, just a quick note, now that school is back in session, we will be switching back to our regular weekly format. Until next week. Good night.